and save me, Lord. I'm coming home. And now. High levels there to Burrito Justice Radio here in studio in the heart of the mission with none other than than acclaimed journalist, pop-up, raconteur, friend of, of uh, Black Prairie, John Muallam. How are you, sir? I'm good. How are you doing? You actually showed. I'm good. I was worried. I, I was here before you. That's true. You were. I was, I was late getting... Uh, 
uh, a finely crafted burrito for you. Thank Excellent you choice. Much. Excellent choice. What was the veggie? It was the uh, carnitas with refried beans, right? <laughs> I believe it was a veggie with uh, pinto. Pinto beans. Pinto beans. Yeah. Good. Um, I, celebrating the first day of Tacotober, uh, got a carnitas and a, uh, um, what I got a carnitas taco and I got al pastor. Well, see, it's funny you mentioned that cause I actually prefer tacos, what? but I felt like it would be inappropriate no, to ask you, you to get me taco. I just didn't know the rules. There's no, 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 no. I'm, I'm, I have no issues with, with tacos. I'm very flexible about tacos. Well, I knew that, but I, I wanted to be right on the nose. I have very, very specific requirements about burritos. Not that you have to eat burritos. Just don't call something as not a burrito burrito. That's all that I ask. So okay. I have a question for you. This is a, 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 a trick question. If you wrap something in a bread-like substance into a cylindrical format, does that make it a burrito, John? I believe under New York state law, perhaps, it does make it a, a burrito. I'm a little fuzzy on the legalese of it exactly. It's, more, it's less of a legal issue and more of a moral issue is what I find. So, yeah, it's just because it's cylindrical doesn't make it a burrito. There's a wrap. Wraps are perfectly good. They're delicious. They're tasty. Some people think I don't like wraps. I like wraps. They're just not burritos. I cannot stand wraps, actually. Yeah. Oh, good. All right. Vehemently anti-wrap. Good, good. Yeah. No, none of these burrito pretenders? No. What about a shawarma? What yeah, a good like, freaking chicken shawarma? That's kind it. of... Is that a wrap, though? Uh, no, it's a shawarma. Oh, there you go. Okay. Oh, so wraps. Got it. A, a wrap is, in my mind, is something that comes on a platter, uh, at like, uh, you know, at, at a, a shivo show. or yeah. something. <laughs> <laughs> Turkey in there, some cheese. Yeah, and the, and the wrap exterior is all soggy and Yo, kind yeah. of sponge-like. That's the thing. Yeah, I think um, wraps do have um, um, moisture and uh, hydrolo- hydrogeological, is that a word? I just made one up there, uh, oh, contention issues. I mean, I think, and again, it comes down to structural integrity. You know, the foil, got to get your burrito at 90 PSI. I asked for like 95 PSI for your burrito. I hope that's okay. Whatever range you think is the okay. optimal but, ranges. Yes, exactly. Um, have you ever yelled at anyone for unwrapping in a, beer, a burrito in its entirety before eating it? No, you know, I'm a little more forgiving than you. Oh, I think, okay. Uh, it's dangerous though, dude. It's, 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 a, it's a public safety I've issue. I've definitely shrugged, but okay. I, wouldn't, I wouldn't say I've scolded it. Fork and knife? Uh, I've, I don't think I've ever actually even seen that. Oh, thank in, God! In I'm glad. I'm glad your eyes remain unsullied by by such a, a horrific view of of the decline of humanity. Oh man! Anyway, so uh, we're going to be eating burritos here during and tacos uh, during the uh, upcoming uh, musical break of. Uh, of John's fine selection. I'm assuming there's some black prayer in there. You asked me to put some black oh, prayer. Well, I didn't. In, so. I mean, I was hoping you would. You I hinted that I strongly that I suggested. I, I honestly, I give editorial control of the music to my guests. Uh, and that's that actually worked out pretty well. I've no doubt uh, it will be. Um, anyway, so we have a, a long list of topics that we can go into. I mean, animals, animals everywhere. Um, you know, I think uh, probably, I think that the thing that I was most, um, Amused by so uh, for those who uh, do not follow uh, Jumalam on on Twitter, what is the Twitter pronunciation of that? Jumalam. Jumalam. Okay, okay. Get, kind of roll the L's there. I guess so. Um, but basically, you do a lot of um, animal tracking, and especially uh, animals with infrastructure, uh, animal incidents with infrastructure. Squirrels were big, less so now, but you were really tracking power outages with squirrels uh, for a while there. Um, what I do love is when those deer ran across the Golden Gate Bridge. Um, of, of the tweets, I think the second or third CC'd you. So you are a, uh, animal interacting with humans authority on, on Twitter. 
I, I guess so. You know, we will get into it, but I, I think my relationship with Twitter is uh, is changing. Uh oh. Uh oh. And uh, I'm I'm sorting through some stuff. Uh oh. Are you going so, to Ello then? Is that? What? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, not yet. Okay. Maybe if someone would invite me, I'd I'd have to. Well, do I, that. I'll happy to invite you, but you were you know basically uh, we're doing the planning. You're just I was worried. I didn't want to like. Uh, overwhelm you with uh new I, I don't even know what elo is actually. okay yeah yeah you're probably you're probably not missing much yet yeah. it's it basically makes uploading gifts easier think of it a twitter twitter plus tumblr <laughs> i mean if that makes any sense at all um you can edit too you can edit your maybe we could just spend the time you kind of getting me up to speed on i think that would be a good use of the show that we could we could that could be a segment towards okay. the ender um yeah so uh but basically um okay well we'll talk about your your relationship with twitter and that that sounds like a very intriguing uh discussion um but also talk we can talk a little bit your um you know pop-up magical pop-up appearances um books and i was going through your um list of articles you've written and this is you're prolific i mean it's, it's really rather amazing and this these aren't like a bunch of little short little bloggy type articles these are I mean, I don't know how many words per, per article you run for. Like, 30, 40,000 words. No. <laughs> sort of like standard I'm a magazine. Okay, I, I don't know what don't count the words. order of magnitude is. Well, it? you know, they pay me for the stuff really? that I write, and that's sort of how you? I'm wait, trying wait, wait, wait. to make a living. Are so you saying, I have to do it regularly. Are you saying, are you saying that, that people voluntarily give you money for things that you write? This is possible in this day and age? Yeah, just, just barely, which accounts for the high, you know, why I have to continually do it. Right. So that I get checks okay. and then I can buy food and, and pay rent and things like okay. this. Okay, yeah. I got it. All right. Um, anyway, so it's, it's a rather, but it's like, what's a typical article length? Well, when I do stuff for the Times Magazine, they're usually either in the 5,000 word range or mm. the cover stories are, you know, seven or 8,000 wow. words. So. Wow. And um, well, again, we're both hungry, so I won't get too much into this. Um, but basically, like, what's the, um, so for your typical, and there may not be an answer to this. But for your typical, I keep on saying post because it's not that, but article of, say, 5,000 words, I mean, how long could or would that take you to get together from the initial uh, conception of the idea to writing to editing to publication? I mean, it's a few months at mm. least usually. I mean, some, there's been a couple instances where there's been a hole that needed to be filled, so I'd have to do something in the, you know a few weeks. Uh -huh. um, but generally, it's you know several, several right. months of reporting. I mean, up to this last year I did was... Uh, seven or eight months of, wow. of work. So, And how many do you have going on typically at the same time? Uh, two, two or three. Okay. Say. Yeah. Well, time management skills too. Uh, I'm trying. I yeah. wouldn't say I excel at time management. <laughs> well, again, skills. you were here before me, so you're doing very well. That's right. A certain neurosis gets me places early, but I'm not sure that's a skill. <laughs> but I, I was, I was not late. I was here at 1159. Well, the, the great yeah. thing was, is when I pressed the buzzer, a voice came back from the, the buzzer and said, burrito's not here yet. <laughs> Don't let him in. Guilt by association. I'm very sorry about that. Um, so you're here now. It's all good. Um, and um, so let's play a couple of songs for your computer across the room. Watch, I'm going to stretch. Hold on a second. We are setting up the music live as we speak. Um, but why don't you tell us a little bit about the first couple of songs that you can play uh, on the computer you can't actually see right now. Okay. Let me move my head to see it. And then, okay, so yeah, so th let me do a little. Pl I'll do a plug. Let me do a plug. Nice. Uh, this first song is uh, by a woman named Abigail Washburn, uh -huh. who's a really talented banjo player and singer, um, 
who uh, you may know her from things she's done. She gave a really cool TED Talk a while ago. Okay. And she's going to be playing Hardly Strictly this weekend. Oh, sweet. On Sunday with her husband, Bela Fleck. Musical so, family. Musical yeah. family. They're sort of a banjo super couple. And they're, they're, their son is destined to be some kind of banjo royalty. Banjo sure. prodigy. Yeah. Sort of a, a superhero Spider-Man type of, you know. Nice. Uh, radioactive banjo playing blood in his veins. <laughs> Um, but, uh, yeah, they're going to be playing, uh, on, on Sunday, I believe Sunday afternoon. Okay. And so I'd recommend everyone check it out. Abigail awesome. Washburn and Belle Fleck. This is just off of, uh, Abby's record. Though. Okay, great. All right, let's hit on that. And then we'll be back very soon.
keep looking out. It is the hollow month of March now sweeping in. Let's watch phenomenon rise out of the darkness now. Within the light, she is my storm and heroine. An old machine was abandoned by the ancient races stand. I hear them humming down below in hollow Let the spring and storm return. I left my heart to the wild hunter coming. I live until the call. And I plan to be forgotten when I'm gone. Is I believing in the fall? Oh. And I will sleep out in the glade just by the giant tree. To be closer where my spirits pull away. I left a nervous little boy out on the trail today. He's just a mortal to the shouting cavalcade. I left my heart to the wild hunter coming. I live until the call. And I plan to be forgotten when I'm gone. Yes, I believe in the fall.
Welcome back to Burrito Justice Radio. We have a, a new timing metric that John and I just invented. It's the four-song burrito. So in that, those four songs, which, John, can you tell us about those four songs? Yes, I can, Burrito Justice. Thank you, sir. Sorry, you caught me away from the mic there. <laughs> those four songs, well, I talked a little bit about Abigail Washburn, which mm-hmm. was the first song. The second banjo, song. Banjo Empire. Banjo Empire and her Banjo Empire this Sunday at Hardly Strictly. Um... The second song, what was it? The second song was Aphex Twin. Mm-hmm. Uh, Some dramatic dead space at the air there, audience. I didn't mean to frighten you. Uh, he's tricky like that. Sneaky. The third song was The Tallest Man in the World, mm-hmm. or On Earth. What, he, he's really tall. Uh-huh. Uh, can't remember his Six, seven name. with the fro. But he's been, uh, that was heavy rotation for most of, uh, I'd say, the first half of this year. That was some good writing music. Very nice. There's good writing music. It's interesting. There's some good music that's writing. This show is not good to write to. It's very distracting. I, I would imagine. I, I apologize if you're listening to it while you're trying to write stuff. Um, I find that uh, Postscript Radio on uh, Thursdays from 10 to 12 is excellent writing music. And that's with my uh, my DJ buddy, Tall Dave. And so I, I do find, like, I get more shit done during that show than I do 
any other BFF well, and show. And I think the trick for me is always just um, I will just listen to one record over and over and over again. Become until one with the record. Exactly. And it, it cease, I just become habituated so that, in fact, any music can mm. be... So, so these these four songs are going to turn into your burrito music. Could could very well There's be. There's going to be some kind of Pavlovian thing where I get must I get hungry. Have burrito. I, but I kind of do that a lot, regardless of music. So I don't know how that works with you. Um, and what was the fourth song? The fourth song Black Prairie. was Black Prairie. Black, was Prairie. Black Prairie from their new record called Fortune. New, new, or is this earlier in the year? This new? is uh, this summer. The summer. Okay. So, oh, summer really? New. Okay. Um, so uh, yeah, they're they're a friend of. You have an me. intimate relationship, well, intimate, but, you know, a close relationship with, uh, with Black Prairie. Yeah, so, yeah, we had done a project together last year when my book Wild Ones came out. They did a soundtrack to the book where they wrote, awesome. they wrote songs about people in the book or to sort of score scenes from the book mm-hmm. so that when you thought about the scenes in the book, you had a kind of uh, musical score to go with those memories. Yeah. And then we did a little uh, uh, show, put together a show of stories and music and then did a little tour. And now they've moved on and have this new album out, uh, which is very exciting. And they actually What's also the album just called the album is called Fortune. Have you been and how many how many words have you written to that album? Uh, yeah, so the, Do you have like a word per song metric you try to get to. It's like if I don't get two hundred words per song, then well, two hundred would be a lot. Apparently, it's a lot easier for them to make records than it is for me to make books. Um, <laughs> but uh, so there's no there's no more well, book team record effort. synergy. It's a team effort. Um, I mean, you know, if you had a team of writers. Yeah, but the cool was, thing about them actually, that I want to say is they just played a concert for Wolves. Really. In Washington State, nice. uh, that was orchestrated by. A friend Not of mine, the band wolves, Lo- but actual wolves. Actual wolves. Laurel Braitman, who's a great writer also about animals, does these musical shows for, mm-hmm. for animals. Where uh-huh. She gets rock musicians to play concerts for animals. And she got Black Perry to play a show for wolves. So, and I think there's going to be a video of it circulating. So, so, so how did the logistics incredible. of this work? Were they just kind of roll up to the woods and play? Or were there wolves in like a sort of caged in area? This is at like a wolf rescue center. Oh. So there's a big, huge enclosure of, of wolves. And they could, you know, the, the key for Laurel is that the animals have to choose to be in the audience so they can come and go as they please. That's good. So it's a voluntary. Yeah, it's not compelled. Right, um, right. So she's another one for gorillas kind of and things like concert. that. Yeah. So, uh, and I heard it went well. I haven't nice. gotten too many details. I, for a minute there, I'm a big fan of a band called Wolf Parade, and I thought that you were actually talking about them, which got me even more excited. But I'm as excited to hear that there is a concert for wolves. Yeah. No, it's just for wolves. There's no human audience except for the people playing. Right. Exactly. If you had the wolves playing music, kind of like elephants making art, that would be an interesting concept altogether that would be excellent if yeah. you give wolves instruments that, that could be it could be a whole new genre i mean i'm surprised <laughs> to see it I, I i honestly i am actually surprised i mean there's a number of bands in canada with wolf in the name um and i'm actually surprised there aren't actual wolves in the canadian indie music scene and that would not entirely surprise it me could, they could just be kind of an underground thing you don't, could very you don't know about yet yeah yeah um so i have to admit so i was lucky enough to see your uh, your uh, pop-up venue at the chapel last year and them playing in the background that was a, a, a rather uh, momentous and wonderful thing well thank you very much and like how did the i mean how did that come about where basically say like, you know what i want people playing music in the background while i do readings from this book i mean was this did it sort of come to you in a dream no or? i wish that it had been more premeditated we're actually maybe post, talking about doing another project where we actually start from the beginning together and, nice. and actually try to do a story you know from the ground up together but um, this just sort of was an idea like what if you know what if uh, I'm writing this book what if there were a record to go with it and then they did the record and then we thought well maybe there's a way to promote the two together mm-hmm. 
and we didn't really know what that would look like and so we just kind of thought if there's a way to kind of slam the music together with some of the stories and we only had a few days to do it kind of a pairing exactly so so uh, but it just worked out i don't know really why I think did you know them before lucky. or do yeah you... i'd been friends with a few of those guys um for a long time oh wow okay so uh yeah so it, it so but in terms of the performance it was just kind of dumb luck that i think it it came that's together. kind of luck yeah yeah as opposed to luck you know good smart luck i know premeditated luck and then you get sort of you know like you know that that's going to go nowhere but basically good good dumb luck and right spot and right time as we all are to be living in San Francisco in this confusing time. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> um, so, uh, any uh, any dad core tips you have? Because you are a uh, you are a father of two small humans. That's right. Yeah, and we're sort of have kids of roughly similar almost age, exactly age distribution. Age. Yeah. So we have. Uh, have you have you come up with any uh, good radio safe nicknames for them? Uh, no, I I, okay. I, I didn't realize that was. Oh a no no, I'm sorry, I didn't. I, I didn't mean to pressure you. Cause... I mean, you. I, I don't have a nickname myself, so I can't do a sort of a takita. <laughs> well, <Jamalalem>. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. You don't have sort of this base on. I don't think there are any animal names. Well, my daughter's name is my older daughter's name is Isla, mm. and she's gotten into that thing where when she writes her name with her her first name last initial, which uh. is problematic though because her her kerning is kind of off, and so it just says Islam <laughs> Islam. Islam everywhere. Um, Child kerning. Yes. <laughs> or that kenning joke, you know. <laughs> um, yes, because uh, text font layout jokes work really well on the radio. Kind of like gifts on the radio. They're the best. That was actually that was actually one of the taglines I was considering for this show. Gifts like, on the radio. Like gifts on the radio. Well, you know, I actually thought about what I should wear. Oh. <laughs> I, I had that thought as I was leaving was I dressed well enough. Well, come on the radio. You know, I think you're in the classic dark t-shirt and jeans. Is that an animal? It's there? a narwhal. A nar- oh, dude. Yeah. So do you realize the narwhals on the Nunavut flag? Uh, yes, crest, I did know yeah, that, in fact. And the crest yeah. of arms. And so there's a really good visual pun there because the Canadian uh, crest of arms um, has a unicorn on it. Um, there's like a lion, I think, and a unicorn. Um, I don't know why. Um, and this whole British re- regalry kind of thing. Has to get all approved. Uh, anyway, so none of it did theirs, and they put um, I can't remember what the other. I think it's a bear, uh, but in the same spot that there's a unicorn on the Canadian crest or Canada's crest, there's the narwhal, which I thought was a very excellent visual pun. Yeah, it's a little more. Li- it's a literal Far interpretation cool, of the unicorn. Presuming we don't broil them all in our. Do in you want our... me to blow this wide open? Yeah. Do you know that I'm half Canadian? No way. Yeah. I think actually you told me that. Okay, so I didn't blow anything. No, 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 no. But it's, I'm not. I'm, I, this, I have this. I vague recollections of us talking about this. Okay, very nice. What what part of uh, Canada? Uh, Ontario. It's a big province. A lot of people yeah. from there. It's good. Yeah. I knew a I knew a man who was half Ontario. <laughs> <laughs> this feels like a dream. I feel like I'm in a, a dream right now. It is. It is. Okay. Well, San Francisco is you know one of Canada's more successful colonies. Nice. No, I think there's something. I remember um, some people from the consulate saying it's like they were trying to figure out how many expat Canadians there were in the Bay Area, and it's like a lot. Well, but Canada, from what I've seen, Canada's uh, stats are always a little inflated. Like they, like the U.S. won't allow me to have dual citizenship, as I understand. No, that's actually Canada says no because there's some sort of rule about when I was born. Well, I looked into this. I'll tell you why. Because there was at one point many years ago, I was nominated for a Canadian National Magazine Award. Oh, really? And I was very honored. But then I started to worry because I've I've never actually had a Canadian passport you have Mm -hmm. to be a citizen to win this award and i thought like what if on the off chance i win this thing and then there's some kind of like you know controversy because i'm not actually canadian 
And so I went to the consulate uh-huh. and I explained the situation. I, and I brought this. I had a laminated ID Canadian ID card with my baby picture on it, right. and just a typewriter filled in stuff. Right. And I said, "This is all I have, and a story from my parents that yeah. I'm Canadian." And they said, "We'll take you." They yeah, said, the, the U.S. won't won't honor it, but we will. They, they, well, that's the thing. I think when uh, most people don't realize, like usually, one country can't take away another country's citizenship. They may not be happy about it. But um, no, I do believe. I mean, both support now. Tax taxation is a different. Well, issue. that's the thing. If I were to claim any Canadian benefits, then I any would benefits. know. I would. So, right. so I don't. Maybe maybe there's an expert out there who can clear all this up for any, me and any, tell me any, whether any, I'm actually Canadian. Well, um, you. I mean, yeah, you, you are Canadian whether you apply for this. But it's sort of a, it no, is no, or is not kind of thing. You know, no. If one of your parents is Canadian and their parents were born in Canada, then you are Canadian. It's like you just need to fill out the paperwork. burrito justice. Thank you. There you go. Thank burrito you. burrito law and citizenship law, two things. I, I know something uh, a lot about. Well, anyway, another good reason that we get along so well. Um, so let's see. We're going to talk about, um, well, we're going to talk about animals a little bit and um, and infrastructure. Um, and, and I don't know if you want to get into your feelings on, on Twitter now or after we talk about animals and infrastructure. Because Twitter's kind of like infrastructure, and Twitter's an animal in its own right. So I don't want to go and confuse uh, I, the two I issues. Guess so. Well, they're sort of related. You know, for a while I was mm-hmm. using Twitter mm-hmm. as a kind of a warning system to yes. chronicle power outages caused by squirrels. All of which seem to be 3,000 to 5,000 people. Uh, which was many of them were high high numbers of yeah. people that were left in the dark. I but mean, like yesterday... The squirrel per person inconvenience, it was a remarkably consistent Yeah, one ratio. squirrel does a hell of a lot of damage. Mm. Walking, um, walking circuit breaker, I believe they call them. Yeah. Um, yesterday, there was on Kauai, half the island lost power when a, ch- Wait, a that, feral is that, chicken. Is that Larry Ellison's? Uh, no, that's oh, Lanai. Oh, damn. Kauai is the one that Mark Zuckerberg just bought up a lot of property oh, on. See, maybe um, the animals are up to something there. I think there's some coordination. Well, I think that they're just sort I mean, of reading being, your book. They're just sort of being animals. But we've built all this infrastructure in their that, way. That happens to be where they live and is attractive yeah, to them. Yeah, the phrase fly in the ointment, it's, it's really like a squirrel in the power grid kind of right, situation. Right, right, right. Or chicken. Or chicken, or feral chicken, wow. as it turns out. Feral? I did not know. I was not, I did not have feral chickens on my threat assessment. <laughs> well, you, you should know, add Squirrels, them, possums. You know, raccoons. Yeah, birds are a big birds. one. Birds, um, at least for power. Yeah, yeah. But it's gratifying now that when I see stories like that, because I went, on, I did a piece for the Times Sunday Review about right. power caused by squirrels, and now when there are <laughs> is, stories awesome. about this, <laughs> which is just an awesome thing. Well, thank you. But now when there are stories about this, I do notice that they they all have a line saying, you know, power outages are often caused by squirrels. Mm-hmm. Whereas in the past, each story that I would see treated it as this like Novel. you know miraculous phenomenon. Who could imagine this ever happened? Right. So if I've done nothing else in my life, I feel like I've just added a little bit of nuance and understanding to yeah. the issue of power outages. Well, it's funny when, when this is um, a big topic and it was like we were uh, tweeting heavily about this, I'd say last year, I started looking up um, not just infrastructure taken up by squirrels, but uh, defense mechanisms against squirrels. And there's this remarkable sub-industry uh, protecting electrical lines and grids from that. And they basically, the, the easiest way to describe it is they kind of put these rollers on the wires, you know, and so they basically the squirrel jumps on and it kind of rolls off. So basically, they're doing, you know, they try to like do shielding, and like squirrels can chew through remarkable, remarkably large numbers of materials. I was kind of shocked yeah, by that. Yeah. If your teeth are continually growing and don't stop, I, I suppose you're just always teething. Feel obligated, always teething. <laughs> <laughs> Which also might explain why they're in such bad moods sometimes. They'd be pissed off too. Yeah, you know, I think anyone with a small human who is teething, you know what that's like. So basically. 
you know, we've, we've have uh, a, a couple of cribs that, um, no other people are going to want because they're well gnawed upon. Yeah. You know, my, my Canadian beaver children. I know, I know that. Well, do you have sometimes these, uh, when you buy the cribs that are like kind of shishi with the mm-hmm. all natural materials and the, the stains on the wood are made of like soy. And so we did that, right? We really treated our daughter to like a nice earthy kind crib and then she would start chewing on it and. And it was actually soluble so that we'd go in after, you know, we were letting her cry it out or whatever. And we'd go in and she would just look like this kind of vampire with this kind of brown, reddish brown muck all over her, her maw. Uh, and it was hor- it was horrifying because you walk in, you think it's blood. You think it's her own blood. But in fact, she's just uh, the kind of organic uh, uh, wood stains of the crib have been have been coming off on her face oh man so maybe just try to get those like you know like the access door down on the side of the crib sort of gnawing their way out yeah yeah um so um the other the other day not to talk too much about kids here uh but uh 1.75 year old uh burrito sore he climbed into his crib and so i was in i was in the kitchen making dinner and uh taquita was playing with uh pupusa libre and uh and burrito sore down in their room and and then Takeda says, Dad, you need to come here. And you hear that, you're like, oh, God. You know, like what, what mortal wound has, you know, befallen one of my children. And I run in, and then, then Burrito Sword's in his crib. And I'm like, how did you get? And Takeda says, he climbed in by himself. I'm like, oh, great. <laughs> so it's just, just a matter of, you know, climbing out. And it's what, like, I can't have them in sleet sacks all the time to keep them from escaping. That's right. Do you have any duct tape? Yeah, exactly. Just put a sort of extend the grid upward, right. or tape them down. I don't know what you're what you're referring to. I just think it's useful to have around if your children are going places you don't want them to. <laughs> so, anyway, it's like oh, be free, be free, small child. Um, though, though, Bredosaur, he likes squirrels, huh. and so you know he sees them, gets very excited about them. Maybe that's so where he learned to climb. I think so. I think so. So hopefully he'll leave power infrastructure alone. That's my big hope. With safety, that's all the stuff you know, the 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 baby proofing. Um, anyway, so you've talked about squirrels, you've talked about deer. Um, we talked about the, the Golden Gate Bridge deer, which was, I mean, that was, that was a remarkably beautiful video. It was peak deer. I mean, that was the last time I did, I was doing these today in deer tweets where every day I'd have a different story mm-hmm. about what deer had been doing that day. And then that happened and I just thought it's time to hang it up. It's so good that you know when to stop today. as opposed to me killing an issue just, you know, until... Uh, yeah, well, I guess I, I you know, uh, these things for me exist on a very fine line of like, you know, uh, I- extremely important. And then it just teeters right over into completely ridiculous and useless. Very quick. So it's, it is a very fine line. Yeah, think, there's uh, no in between. I think if anyone can pull it off into uh, making it um, appear important for a longer period of time, it's you. Because um, <laughs> you have a certain subtlety about Thank it. You. Despite <laughs> Despite the seven asterisks you put in front and before that. But I think it's a good, it's an alert mechanism. It's basically it's an, early, it's an early warning system. Um, so hopefully humanity will, uh, will uh, be able to continue and not fall into disrepair uh, without these Twitter warnings. Who knew? I mean, someone told you 10 years ago that you were going to be basically broadcasting to thousands of people um, dear, dear uh, human interactions. Yeah, I to the entire planet, I, I, that would have been a very difficult thing. It to is describe. pretty marvelous when you when you put in, it that in way. near real time. Yeah, but but is it real? That's true. That's what I wonder sometimes. Is it all real? It seems it like feels a dream. Unreal. It does. No, it is sort of. I sit back sometimes. I'm like, this is all very strange. Yeah, it's just pictures on the screen. Yeah, and how many are they all real people? Most Do of them. Do we know that for sure? But again, it's you know, forget the Turing test. Basically, like, are you you know, are you are, are you 
or if you're if, if you consider most of your followers real then are you are you failing or passing the turing test of basically whether you know it's actually a, a robot pretending to be something you know maybe i should just set up a robot as my then i don't need to do twitter anymore i know a lot of people who could help with that maybe i should do that Muallenbot. yeah i bet it wouldn't be hard to pretend that it's me <laughs> Or me. I mean, I think there's a very few <laughs> couple of times. I think I would be easier. We have to change. You have to put like a seed it with a key topic and it would just go off. On well, things. but I've noticed lately, I can't believe we're, I'm talking this much about Twitter. I've probably never talked this much about Twitter in my life, but I've noticed lately people are sending me animal stories, mm-hmm. you know, like, yeah. like mentioning me. So clearly they have intuited you're the what animal. I would tweet. You're the animal So authority. couldn't, I just, couldn't just a bot do it. Yeah. But you have to seed it somewhere, but I think that's definitely a possibility. All right. It's too bad Matt's not here. I know. I know. Matt Honan was supposed to be here. Uh, Sadly, he had to, uh, what's the term, work right? in his job. So his bicycle broke down this morning. So sorry, Matt. I hope you got to, I hope you got to your assignment on time. Um, We'll still talk about him and, and other topics. I'd love to talk about him. Yeah. So next up on, on Burrito Justice, Animal Mualem Radio, Matt Honan. (laughs) Um, too bad he's not online to defend himself. That makes it even better, actually. Do we know that he's not? Uh, well, I do suspect he's actually interviewing someone right now. Oh. So if he is, then um, that would be an interesting phenomenon. Um, but I will look into basically doing animal animal bots, and then you kind of basically get a Markov chain and kind of get past tweets, and it's all it's all all done, all good. So somebody go and uh, make a, a Muellum animal. If you wonder, I just I would just get off the thing then. Yeah, yeah. I could just live eternally on <laughs> Twitter and never have to look at it again. I think that might that's exactly they, what I want right now. Really, really? Are I you? I think so. Yeah. Are you Are you down on Twitter at the moment? Yeah, I think. I, yeah. I mean, I still want to be out there, but I don't actually want to devote any attention right. to it. Right. Sometimes. One more. It's a love hate kind of passive. Thing. Yeah. Well, I think we're talking about this a little bit while we were chewing on our burritos and tacos, but yeah, there's that fine line between basically. Um, interacting with Twitter and and using it as sort of a branding and and I don't say PR but basically pushing out things um it's a fine line it can basically kind of sully it when it's not the sort of organic fun right and what are what are people doing the PR for exactly that's what I get confused about yeah I don't know I don't have the answer for that all right but I think you can make Twitter whatever you want it to be so um you know that versus just text messaging your friends you know in, in mass so use it as an outlet, an outlet when you feel the need. I'm going to mix it up. I'm going to be, yeah, a, I'm going to try, try some new, some new things out there. This microphone just hit me in the face and I was attracted to what Are there I was any saying. animals in here? Yeah, I'm pushing the microphone aside. Um, okay. So, uh, let's, uh, what's your, uh, next musical selection? Well, here? let's take a look over here. Oh, you know what? I, I want to move. The, okay. So I want to play. Uh, yeah, let's play. So this song, I'm going to play. It's a Yola Tango song. Ooh. And I want to play it because last week I, I was in L.A. and I had nightmares about Yola Tango on back-to-back nights. What? And I'm not really sure. What wh- does that mean? And, had, see, and see, that's the thing, though. That is a beautiful thing Twitter is for. I did tweet that. That's, that's a it was very... Like, no, like, that it, was just, it, just lay, it just went out there. I don't think anyone knows though, but I think now people know and feel. And later on, someone comes across it. Perhaps they have a. They had some insight. Like I, I've had nightmares about Yola Tango too. That's what they would say. And then we would start a a society, or something. That's true. Or self help. Well, it's like when um, Alexis Madrigal, Atlantic, he uh, tweeted about um, being in like London and he forgot his ATM number, 
And then a bunch of other people are like, dude, the same thing happened to me. It's like, so it's like, solidarity. Exactly. So if anyone else has had nightmares involving Yola Tango, let's tweet at, uh, Brita justice and John Malama. We'll go and figure this, this one out. Yeah. Okay. So what's the, what's the song? Whoa. Something's Sorry. playing right now. That Is was that it. Me? No, okay. I just hit the play. Okay. Can All you, right. Can you move the play back to the yeah, I will start? Do, I'll do that. All right. Here we go. Uh, what is this? Yolo oh. Tango. Uh, nightmare-inducing Yolo Tango song. Uh, it's actually terrifying. BFF. You listeners. can have it all. You can have all the nightmares you want with Yolo Tango. Here we go. Here we go. Tracking. Oh, the nightmare is beginning. My nightmare. Dead air. Oh, there we go.
per conoscere un po' te, svuoterai tutta la mente, così ogni piccolo momento rimarrebbe permanente, per sapere cosa fai, quale dentificio hai, com'è il tuo bagno ideale con le voglio di immersione, perché non ti trovo mai. la carta dove poggi tutti i tuoi pensieri quotidiani più sinceri abituali ma That was awesome. Or, or as the, uh, my Italian DJ likes to say. Che bella canzone italiana. Molto eccellente. Quale musicista era che? <laughs> I, didn't, I hadn't even seen her come in. I know, I know. Oh, she's gone. Oh, oh. yeah. Yes. Those quick Italian people. They are very fast when they want to be. Yes. She spoke a little slow for an Italian, to be perfectly honest. But her diction was perfect. It was, it was, it was computer-like precision. It was wonderful. Yeah. <laughs> and I think she's given me directions before. <laughs> Please turn left. Um, do you know who that was? No, I do not. That was, that was Pink. That, Pink? No way. Well, it was an, an no. Italian band from 10 years ago named Pink. Oh, okay. It's so not the Pink now. Okay. But no. a Pink nonetheless. Uh, yeah. It was a, I, I don't know anything about them. They're, they're just, great. They're just called Pink. They're fun. That's that's an awesome. Yeah, sometimes awesome. you just want to clean your house to some Italian pop music from ten years ago. I right. have no problem with that. That's yeah. awesome. I, I highly recommend that. Again, yet more musical variety brought to you by BFF.FM and and Breed of Justice Radio. Who knew? Who knew that? You know, a year ago he said, "You know what? A year from now you're going to be playing some Italian pop music." And I said, "You know what? I don't believe you." So the magic, the magic, dreams come true. Exactly, as opposed to nightmares coming true with Yola Tango. I know. Have we heard from anyone out Um, there who's had Yola Tango nightmares? Let me let me actually tweet that out and ask. I mean, I'm sure people in Yola Tango have had nightmares about Yola Tango and how it's going (laughs) and whether they're going to sell out their next show and things like that. Versus no Latango. 
Um, so tell us while I type out this tweet about your uh, Yolo Tango nightmares. Um, so tell us about the other uh, couple songs and what they mean to you. Uh, what they mean to no, okay, well, I'm just well, we to played, some time. We played I can't pink. type and talk. Okay, I'll I'll take okay. over. Thank you. Pink was, uh, you know, I I lived in Italy for a little while in college. You did, and awesome. I, I did not and know I I got real into some Italian music, and and it was like this little time capsule that I I did not my Musical. interest in Italian music did not like proceed. I haven't kept up. It's kind of like a, a fly of yeah. bee and amber. It's sort of like the songs that were popular when you were in high school, kind of thing. And so I've got a. I've got a space in my heart for those songs that were popular around 1999 to 2000. So I guess 14 years ago. Okay. Um, and uh, so we heard we heard Pink, we heard Harry Nilsson, Many Rivers to Cross, and we heard the horrifying sounds of Yola Tango, <laughs> rattle that rattle me to the bones now since my Yola nightmares. <laughs> All right, uh, here we go. I mean, they weren't really nightmares. I think they were more like anxiety dream nightmare nightmares. They uh-huh. weren't like it wasn't like Yola Tango was chasing me. Oh, okay. All right. It was more just like a eerie, disturbing feeling, kind of dream that both involved Yola Tango. Hmm. The first one, I was about to go on stage with Yola Tango. No way. And uh, they were giving me all this. It was sort of one of these like naked in school mm-hmm. before the test streams. They were giving me all these pieces of paper with the chord progressions of the songs written on and them. And you were not prepared to play the music? Well, that was the interesting thing is that somehow I did feel prepared to play music with Yola Tango. And then just as we were walking on stage, which is miraculous. And then just as we were walking on stage, uh, one of them said, and you're going to sing the third, fourth and fifth songs. <laughs> and then I realized that I, I didn't, I'm not even a very big Yola Tango fan. So I didn't even know. This, how the songs went, much less the words. Okay. And that was when I woke up. Just fake it, okay. In a yeah. cold sweat. Yeah. And then the second one, we were at a bar, and just something was really off. Something was awry. Yeah, you know that feeling? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I'm talking about my dreams on the radio. This is horrible. Wow, this is... And again, is, I'm, I'm facilitating this. I'm so sorry. I guess so. Yeah. I don't know what's happening now. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I'm really full. That <laughs> burrito... <laughs> I've had to wake him up three or four times. This is what I, you know, I kind of lull my guests into a false sense of security by making them eat a burrito in like under 10 minutes. Uh, four song burrito. And then it's like, you know, I basically can, you know, ask me any questions. It gives like, you a kind of like out truth, of body. Truth serum. It's like you're, I'm watching myself from outside the studio. And I'm pinned against this wall with this microphone in my face. It does feel, it feels like, I don't know. It's yeah. like the Yola Tango dreams. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I don't want to associate this with negative things. Um, all right. So um, we're talking um, the whole the way this whole thing came about where I tricked you into coming onto the show is um, you and um, it was you and me, Matt Honan. I think Robin Sloan was in there, too. We basically and Alexis and Alexis. Alexis had started it. Yeah. And we're starting to talk about um, the best way. So it's the, the Amazon cargo drone. The delivery drone. Yeah, Alexis had done a big piece in the Atlantic. Yep. Alexis Madrigal about um, about the sort of the way the Amazon drone were they Amazon? I think I they feel were, like they were, they were Google. Was it Google or Amazon? Sorry, Alexis. I don't know. Sorry, Google and Amazon. Anyway, <laughs> they're one of these companies, but they were showing Alexis exactly how the drone was going to work and how it was going to arrive at your door and uh-huh. then deposit its payload at the end of this tether, and it was written. Uh, you know, Alexis did a really good job in sort of portraying all this, and uh, the engineers were very confident and sort of you know beaming at how they figured all this out and and solved all these engineering problems. And I had asked Alexis, have they thought at all about 
uh, people yeah, taking the package when the drone lets it go and just kind of elbowing the guy out of the way who's supposed to get the package. But Alexis didn't understand my question and thought I was asking about like coordinated attacks on the drone delivery depots, which is his his angle. I mean, sort of where he comes from on this. Yeah, and it became a really interesting. And then Robin Sloan, you know, everyone was sort of coming from this techno GPS spoofing. Yeah, how do we hack the drones? And I was saying I was making Buck Rogers jokes. Yeah, but my point was like I think you could just kneecap the person getting the package as the tether comes down. You went to a very. basic simple attack which is i think why you're one of the most dangerous men on the planet you know and driven driven to desperation with a uh, yolo tango nightmare going out and and basically you know not just attacking the the infrastructure but you know going in and, and just robbing the people well and this and then the whole debate really i think it crystal i was excited i got fired up about it and i spent way too much time thinking <laughs> about like it a couple of hours on and, twitter in the afternoon i know it was the what most a, kind of like productivity flick- tool exactly and and i think it was because it really crystallized something for me in the sense that like so much of these systems that were being given and these apps and kind of engineering solutions are looking at these problems in holistic ways and trying to engineer their way into a kind of perfect system but they never anticipate the kind of disturbance, you know, for a culture that talks about disruption all the time, right, right. there always seems to be a kind of blind spots. Well, not always, but sometimes that someone could just kind of step in with lo-fi tools like the squirrel in the power grid. There you go. Right. There you go. And right, uh, it was coordinated attack by ISIS on the American power grid. Army of squirrels. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Or the, or the, you know, the bandit mugging the drone. Right. Well, that's the thing. Cause I was, I sort of went back, you know, as I want to do from the historical references, Right. And I'm sort of like, okay, well, you know, people will steal things if they're valuable enough and it's easy enough because most criminals are, I don't say lazy, but I think sort of efficient. Right. And so do you go in and have this whole, you know, James Bond like cabal with infrastructure and, you know, people driving around in golf carts, um, setting up a system in which, you know, uh, delivery drones can be redirected to nefarious locations or do you just basically wait for it to drop it down on that string? But it basically is a reel. Right. If I remember correctly, it goes, it doesn't actually land. Um, right. It just dangles it right in front of you like a piece of fruit waiting to be picked. Mm-hmm. And and the thing is, is that if you had some kind of coordinated high tech attack, Amazon would come and crush you. Right. But if you're just a bunch of thugs right. and every once in a while a package goes missing, maybe well, that's sort of like more credit, sustainable. It's like credit card fraud where basically there's like a sustainable level that the system is willing to to put up with for as a cost of doing business. And so, you know, if, you know, like if one out of a thousand packages gets stolen upon delivery and, you know, you go in and cut the string or you basically attack the person. Um, I think you're, I think you're right. You know? But I'd also like to point out, we are talking just in hypotheticals. That's true. That's we would not actually steal anything. I'm not from condoning that or encouraging it at all. But I sort of look at you like, basically like why did highwaymen rob people on the road? Right. I mean, they're basically, it was sort of a relatively easy target out there by itself. Um, and worth, worth stealing. For example, if there were, you know, burrito delivery drones to those suckers who live out in the Richmond, the sunset where there are no burritos to be found. That could be a very lucrative market where basically you go in and it's valuable enough. Like, I want a burrito. I want that burrito right now. And you, you know, either steal it from the person. And that's saying if you're stealing it from the person who just received it, is it really stealing from a drone? Uh, well, you're sort of stealing it right at the moment when it's transferred from drone to person. What I was thinking is you have some sort of grappling tool where you grab, cut and grab the string and then sort of yank it back on your own fishing line. Kind but of see, thing. I think you're, again, you're overthinking you avoid, it. But you don't avoid. have to even do that because the drone lets go of the package. And so it's, it's just, it's right there. All you have to do is take it before the person, you have to just inca- incapacitate 
the, the, the real the, target yeah. and just take the package. I mean, it's, you know, the, the 80s, a fine... in, in the 80s, there was this sort of like cliched version of like yeah. a dangerous big city and there were old, uh, right. old grandma getting her purse snatched. That's what the drone is. A drone is like an old lady and you can just grab the thing. That's how I imagine it. Anyway, I've never seen one of these things. But uh, I See, think but someone should be working on it. A more kind hearted criminal who doesn't want to hurt people who just wants the thing being delivered. Where they don't want to bonk an old lady over the head, where basically, but they do want her, I don't know, what groceries or whatever they get. Well, delivered. I think uh, my drone thugs are going to outcompete that person. Mm. I think we're going to, we'll just do better. Um, unless they steal it before it gets there and there's nothing to steal. I guess that's, I guess that's right. And sort of like, you know, I'm not, I'm not quite as, you know, like, you know, hi-fi could say, yeah, you steal and redirect the drone and then, you know, Google's Air Force comes in and, and, and pummels you, you know. Um, but there's sort of a medium-fi balance where basically, you know, kind of getting in there with, you know, no violence, no human violence to be had. But well, I do you think found it, a middle path. Right. right. But I do think, I mean, you look at history and you look at robbing stagecoaches and highwaymen going in and, and holding up people because there's money to be had. It's sort of like, you know, why do you rob the bank? That's where the money is. Yeah. Right. Why do you why do you mug the drone? Because that's where the burrito was. Well, but I think, don't you think that they should be having some kind of X prize to get the sort of see what what sort of I, pro, what sort of ways their drones will be attacked i do think they need a white hat sort of threat assessment team and i'd be happy to take a salary to go and help them on this as would you i think to supplant uh, yeah, our, and you can have our, your our computer lucrative stuff, writing careers and i'll have i'll just have like a pipe <laughs> and uh and i don't know what it's just a pipe really, yeah, and, really some, and on face masks a hockey a hockey stick yeah, you know that would be very. Uh, they would track me down pretty. Or even easily. just a dog. You wouldn't even have to hurt the person. You just have to get in the way, get in between them and the package. Oh, okay. Philly Design comes in and says Amazon will have to outfit the end of the tether with a sensor that doesn't release without an iris scan. Ooh. Oh. So what if it doesn't let go? That's the thing. That's a good. That's a good solution right there. And and maybe what will happen is Grandma gets her package and then she walks back to her door and the drone hangs around to make sure it doesn't get stolen until she's in what's deemed to be a safe place. Well, that would leaves. be like the delivery person. I mean, this is the only reason it doesn't work with the UPS driver mm-hmm. is because it's just there's two people there and right. suddenly you've got to hurt two people. I think right. that's a that's a enough of a barrier. That's true. I would. <clears throat> I mean, that's why I don't go around kneecapping delivery people right now. Yeah. If they sing, they can be drone thugs in harmony. Okay. Um, um, oh, by the way, um, uh, Crack Machine uh, DJ Ben, who you just saw before the previous show, he uh, noted that uh, not a nightmare, but Autumn's sweater was on repeat in my brain for an unbearable three days. Huh. So I think so there's sympathy the out there. Yeah, I think I think people know. Um, yeah, so basically, like, will it be an acceptable loss? And basically, like, is it too juicy a target? And how will that affect? I, d- I do think that they're, you know, are they honestly looking at the various kinds of threats, whether it's low-tech or high-tech? But I do think they're much more likely to look at and address high-tech threats. Well, and that was what I wanted Alexis to find out. I was hoping that he had already had those conversations, you know. Yes. And maybe he has. I don't know. But Maybe he's keeping love- it secret for a second article. Maybe he's... Droll, he's doling this out in pieces. I hope so. You know, it's like, oh, I have another piece I have to write. Another 5,000 words. Let's I, go. I hope so. Fork it over or I'm not going to tell you. Is that how it works? Basically, they're, they're like, you have to tell us. Like, no, you have to pay me. Uh, well, it's, the negotiation is just, isn't exactly like that. I just write stuff. That is the like, basic <laughs> transaction. You know, okay. like, I will write it for you if you pay me. Right, right, but, right. But uh, it's not, there's tell not more, like a not, hostage, like an information yet. hostage situation. Stockholm sin- syndrome for words. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, so yes, please tweet us your thoughts on, uh, on basically weak spots in drone infrastructure. Cause that's the thing. Cause you know, like, you know, like how many 
okay, deliver it to somebody's roof. But how many people have access to the roof? Not many, you know, deliver it to somebody's backyard. It's like, well, not everyone has backyard. Right. And the obvious thing is right now there's packages sitting on everyone's doorsteps, right? That's true. And sometimes they do get taken. We had something taken, Mm -hmm. you know? So, you know, I don't know. There's just some level of trust. You know, the newspaper doesn't get stolen every Sunday. Right. Right. So you're hoping in a functional society. And there's also things like, you know, police, (laughs) where there's, you know, like the, the criminal law system going in, you know, hopefully in ethics and morals where you're not stealing. Unless you're really, really hungry, you really want that burrito. Exactly. Exactly. That just got delivered. That juicy, delicious burrito that got delivered. Or tacos, in your case. So I was just told that uh, earlier that, um, um, yeah, tacos. You actually wanted tacos. I I, pref- you, you felt obligated tacos. to get burritos. And I feel I feel bad now that you're sleepy and you didn't get tacos. It, this okay. being the first day of Taco-tober. It's okay. Yeah, okay. Um, anyway, so uh, let us know your thoughts on drone and delivery and weak points and things like this. Um, and uh, let's see... It could be the sensor. I don't know. Um, so what we're going to talk about next, we had something else good. Oh, we could talk about uh, Bernal, Bernal a little bit and basically how um, Bernal um, not just is, uh, there's, a remarkable, there's a remarkably large number of people who write for a living who, who live in and on and around Bernal, the greater Bernal co-prosperity sphere. Um, so, um, I mean, I think, uh, Bernalwood, Todd Oliver, Bernalwood has done a couple of posts on that. It's, 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 it's a remarkably dense literary environment. Right. And I think Todd actually just did on Sunday in the Times Magazine, there was, you know, three features in the magazine. And so it was, I had a story and then my neighbor Liz Weil, who uh-huh. lives actually on my block, also had a story. So we were, he had two of the three stories and her husband, Dan Dwayne, was actually supposed to at one point have the third story in that issue, but it got moved to a, to another issue. What? So it could have been a complete oh, takeover, uh, basic, which would have been amazing. I don't know what we would have had a block party or something. Or, maybe. you know, just a reading party, a dramatic yeah, reading. Or we would have had to get the whole magazine to relocate to our, have a bureau <laughs> or something like that. Um, what are you tweeting now? You're tweeting. Um, yeah, I'm tweeting Bernal literary it's, supremacy um, as discussed. I'm watching him do a tweet. On. It's, it's like I'm behind the curtain. FF dot FM. It's very exciting to hear me spell out things. Yeah. You know, I'm going to throw Bernalwood in there just so it gets wider, wider coverage. Um, yeah. So, and then other, I mean, it's um, uh, Tim Dickinson used to live in Bernal until he, he, he uh, departed. He departed and moved to the San Francisco colony uh-huh. in, in Portland. There's radio people. There's Amy Standen from KQD. Mm-hmm. Her husband, Chris Collins, writer. That's right, right. Uh, there's Nate Their Johnson. Book just came out, yeah. Uh, there are people I don't, I've never even met, like Peter Orner. I mean, really? the fact that there are people in the writers in the neighborhood that other writers have not met, I think, says some. I mean, I'm not the most social person, so it's, I wouldn't expect to meet everyone anyway, <laughs> but it says something, I think. Yeah. Um, and you, do you want to give your historical scoop here? Oh, today? yes. So we uh, came up with some um, major historical updates here. Um, and I don't, this, I, I don't think that it's not totally unknown, but it was a surprise to me. And I dug up some more information on it. Um, so for those of you in the know, um, we're doing a uh, uh, next week on the uh, 8th. And uh, we're doing a talk on our uh bikes to books literary map bike tour uh involving the the streets that were renamed for authors in 1980 
26 years ago, whatever that is. I'm going to do the math in my head. I think it's 26, 27, 25. Anyway, 80s. Um, and uh, 12 Streets were renamed for authors. And Mark Twain and um, Jack London and Ambrose Bierce and those, those kind of folks. Um, and so we're doing a new bigger map uh, poster with more information and people putting people on who should have had streets named after them but were, uh, were left out. Um, anyway, I was doing some research, a little more research on uh, Jack London because I knew he lived a couple of places in San Francisco before he moved over. He and his family moved over to Oakland. And it turns out as a small human, as like a one to two year old child, I suspect Jack London actually lived in Bernal. More specifically, he lived just off of Presida Park. So, and if you go to burritojustice.com, the award-winning and highly financially lucrative website, um, there's in-depth article with maps and research. Uh, basically, we don't know exactly where, um, but we do think it's along because there's some streets that change names and some streets that didn't actually exist. Um, for example, a lot of times in the 1870s, um, they uh, would say that Presida. Uh, and other streets would in Alabama would intersect with 27th and 28th streets, which is clearly not possible. Um, so we're trying to figure that one out. We're like, that makes no sense. It's a good post, though. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, with maps. So if you go to, you know what, I'll tweet this out. right. Oh, I tweeted out earlier. I, I don't need to do this as we speak. You can go to burritojustice.com. And anyway, some finely crafted maps, uh, including a few uh, burrito vision maps, you know, which is, I think, a very important teaching tool for uh, both history and, and literature. Um, so anyway, so next time you think, uh, as you walk through Pasita Park, um, you can basically imagine um, a one-and-a-half-year-old uh, Jack London being pushed around in a stroller by his older sister, Eliza. And by his wet nurse. Yeah, and wet nurse. That, that was, that, that, was <laughs> that was the whole thing there, living in... Um, and and basically going by Graham's uh, groceries and maybe picking up some candy or something like that. I don't know if there's an actual playground. I don't know if the spinner was actually there in, 18, in 1877 when they, when they lived here. 1876, 1877. It could very well be, because I think that could very well be one of the oldest objects in San Francisco. It could be some kind of industrial equipment that was just repurposed. <laughs> that's very a, likely, because yeah. that thing is old school. Yes. That's that's the era of the, the hardcore metal 70s era. Uh, could be 1870s, not just 1970s. I don't know. Uh, playground equipment. That basically, you know, gets really cold in the winter, really hot, but that lasts forever. It's a good way to, for a small human to get hurt, but I think you'll learn a lot of things. You learn a lot of hard life lessons on this uh, this this hard metal play structure. None of this plastic crap they have now with the foam mats. We didn't have that when we were kids. That's right. This is the genuine. You're perfectly article. fine, I think, except for these Yola Tango nightmares <laughs> <laughs> and and obsessing about drone theft. I don't think that had anything to do with our childhood and playing on metal. Metal playground equipment. I think our children will obsess about drone theft. That's true. Too. That is very true. Um, though I think I do think it is uh, amusing to think about you know a, a young Jack London sort of toddling around in in whatever Presida Park looked like yeah. back in the day, which used to be called Bernal Park, which used to be called Presida Place, which was very close to Presida Creek and a large sort of effectively open sewers. I don't know how idyllic an environment was back in the 1870s. It was probably very formative. Though. Yeah, very formative, very farm f- farmy. I think. Um, so anyway, so just think of that. Um, oh, and then talk about, they may have actually seen the gold rush on, on, uh, Bernal Hill in 1876. That's right. Yeah. Where basically, uh, they crossed over the, uh, Folsom street bridge. There's a bridge over Presida Creek, uh, which is now buried by, by Cesar Chavez, previously army street. Um, and thousands of people basically 
ran to the top of Bernal looking for gold and it's probably more pyrite. And the smartest man in the group was a guy who set up a, a, a couple of kegs of beer on the top of the hill to settle people. I'm like, a man after my that's heart. What, that's the opportunity I'm looking for right don't, now. Don't dig for that? gold. Where, Go supply the people digging for Where gold. is that opportunity right now? Um, maybe it's supplying the drone thieves rather than actually like a just, kingpin kind of exactly kind of like a mafia. Well, I came up with that. I have the idea. So I think you're putting the idea out there. I think you get a percentage though. But again, I'm not actually putting the idea out there. I would really discourage anyone from uh, mugging a drone in real life. It's more of a thought exercise. Just mug the person getting the thing from the drone is what John is saying. <laughs> Don't mug the drone. Leave the drone be. Google and Amazon are too large of entities. Uh, the poor sucker is going in. Like Uber, like Uber for drone theft. But, <laughs> that would be you that would be the opportunity is to Uber have some for kind mafia. Of app to track the drone deliveries mm. that you would then sell to the drone bandits. Well, kind of apparently you can do that because Uber was you know putting uh, apparently putting the positions, the locations, and travels of like well-known people up on. They had that. Oh, this is not verified, but you did see that thing the other day. It was on uh, no. Medium. Uh, apparently, at a party a couple of years ago. Um, Uber was, um, they had a big screen and they were on at this party. Um, I think it was in Chicago or something like that. And, uh, they had like well-known individuals taking Ubers and showing where their locations were at this party. Wow. Which was like, well, and this wasn't recent. I think it was about two years ago. Well, and this, that's like the bling ring, you know, that whole story, right? No. Uh, with the, there was a book, the bling ring by, uh. Oh, Nancy Joe Sales, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, Does she live in Bernal? No, she's <laughs> in New York. <laughs> um, but uh, maybe it wasn't her. No, I'm gonna. I really wish I knew who wrote it. But uh, but the whole well, idea being that there was friend. this whole yeah. this whole ring of um, like teen thieves yeah. in L.A. who were tracking people who were robbing Ooh. celebrities' homes because they knew from paparazzi they stuff were, that they, they weren't, weren't home. Yeah. Mm. Wow. See again, the opportunities are everywhere. That's true. That's for true. crime, I guess. And now with our information age, you can get uh, that much more. I know. So let's all be loving potential. and responsible yeah. and not abuse exactly. any of that exactly. information. So uh, let's keep Southeast San Francisco safe and, and, and peaceful. I hope I hope so. Yeah, exactly. Not like those people across across Cesar Chavez on the other side of, of Serpentine Avenue. <laughs> you know, put back the wall. Let's put the wall back up. Um, man, time is flying by. It's one thirty already here. Um, so oh, let's see what's this in, um, huh, uh, gamma counter. That's the best possible steal this book for the 21st century. (laughs) 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 Um, all right. So let's, let's jump into a couple more songs here. Do you want to hear some more Black Prairie? Yeah. Let's listen to some more Black Prairie. I'll play my favorite Black Prairie song, which is, uh, it's called Richard Manuel. It's about Richard Manuel from the, from the band. Nice. Um, straight down the middle kind of title that um, Annalisa Kornfeldt wrote, and uh, it's just—I just think it's one of the more beautiful songs they've written. And uh, no, it's no, this I'll off the it. new album? No, this is actually off a couple albums ago. Okay, uh, um, not the not this off a, a tear in the eye is a wound in the heart. Is nice. The name of Together Where is the band 
swing it just like me Swing it just like me
Has anybody here seen raise a face? Hurt his back, looking for a place to lay down. Must be getting on. Needs a man who's young to walk him round. Needs a man who's
coming back in. Little Elton John there. Very nice. That's uh that's the walkout. Oh, we song. Pre- we played the walkout music a little early. I uh, well only I was I was gonna explain to you that uh that for whatever reason it's a razor face. I don't know. I think I first heard that song actually in, there was this movie Moonlight Mile, like many moons okay. ago. Many. It was like a Jake Gyllenhaal movie. Okay. Anyway, it had a pretty good soundtrack as I remember. Anyway, that was I think the first time I'd heard that song by Elton John. And I don't know if I was walking out of a room or something as it came. But Somehow I've always it just felt like that song is just a really great song to just like leave a room to. And uh, better than a mic drop. Yeah, it's like a mic drop. It's like Elton John mic drop Ooh. kind of. Yeah, I, El- just in Elton, my mind. Elton is leaving the I, building. I can imagine it wouldn't really resonate that way for everyone else. And so there's been many times, well, not many. There's been a few times in my life when I put that song on in a kind of mic drop kind of situation, including when I was done writing my book. And I was going to send it into the publisher. Nice. I uh, I had my, you know, I was sitting at my computer. I put the song on. I, well, I typed the email, uh-huh. attached it, yep. put the song on, hit send, and then just walked right out of my the office in my house, yep. right out the back door. And then I just walked around San Francisco for like four hours <laughs> um, and just left the song playing. And at first I called my wife. And I just left her a voicemail with me screaming with Razor Face playing in the background, thinking that she would know what that meant. And, and she's then, like, huh? And then I was just gone. And, uh, <laughs> and so I guess I should have played it as the last song, and I could have just left yep. the studio yep. as I did it. Okay. Um, well, we can play it as leaving the previous topics. Okay. So, you know, yeah, something like that. So a, sorry. Sorry to mess you up It's there. a new era yes. now of our conversation. A, a new era, like part two of the show and the, the 20 minutes that we had That's left. right. That's right. Um, so I don't, I don't think you got a chance, but basically I was looking at, uh, I, I, I need to figure out what the good intro music is, some sort of sound effect, which I haven't gotten organized yet. Uh, for this day in history, I've been looking at the 1850 papers from the Daily Alta, California, the, the newspaper of the time. There was the Pacific Star, too. But sadly, the, 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 this week in 1850, the Pacific Star has not been publishing. Do you know why? No. There was a fire two weeks ago that burned down half the town, one of the fourth of six fires in a year and a half. And so one of the newspapers was taken out. Don't have any uh, copies of that particular paper, but we do have many copies of the California Daily Alta, thanks to the California Digital Newspaper Collection, which is an awesome, awesome resource. Um, So um, the guess what the California Daily Alta is is complaining about now? What are those crazy guys complaining about? The fire department or lack thereof. <laughs> I <can't. laughs> well, I think they've got a pretty good case. <laughs> exactly. And so basically um, it went to committee uh, with the soups and nothing has been done. And there's another fire coming up soon. There's two more fires are going to happen and two fairly large fires, um, whether they're set by accident. This last fire on September 17th, 1850, it was, uh, it, you know, everyone hears a lot of fi- about the fires set by Australians coming coming in if you haven't read black fire not black prairie but black fire um it's it's kind of a ridiculously awesome book but basically living in this like literal literal powder keg um of uh this point in history um the last fire started not to do with australians it started in the philadelphia house so i don't know what they were doing in the philadelphian house but i don't i don't know if i trust philadelphians maybe it's a cheesesteak something like horrible a horrible grease steak fire Or the uh, not Rivoli. What's that? Uh, oh, I know, Danya, you're, you're listening. You're gonna you're gonna, gonna kill me on there. Uh, whatever that Stromboli. Maybe it's some some horrible Stromboli preparation accident. Um, anyway, so watch out for those Philadelphians. Um, but basically, um, yeah. So the fire department's still in disarray, and San Francisco will pay the price. Of course, also paying the price of building your houses out of uh, 
you know, some beautiful redwood and then dipping some sheets in tar and painting them and using those as walls. I can't imagine that at all con- contributing to the combustibility of San Francisco. There's not, not much forethought. No, in, no. In that. Um, oh, and then basically um, I did create a, uh, a new Twitter account uh, to cover things involving the California Daily Alta. Um, and so that's, uh, if you look for uh, Daily Alta SF, um, I'm putting interesting things I found in there. Uh, one of the interesting things I found last week is after the fire came through, um, the basically a, a whole a, two blocks burned down, uh, basically just uh, to the west of where the Transamerica building is right now, um, around Washington and Kearney and uh, around there. And um, so basically burned down in the middle of one of these blocks there was this like grove of trees and it turned out this uh, what they thought was a British sailor or sorry sorry, a British soldier uh, planted them who was no longer in town Um, anyway so I was able to figure out uh, who that soldier was he was actually a sailor um, and he basically moved here in like 1843 and kind of sort of I think moved away when um, things got kind of crazy here in 1847 he and his wife he planted these trees which were a very rare thing in San Francisco at the time because there were almost no trees um, the sand dune that we, we turned into a city. Um, so I thought that was kind of cool. Did, you're saying the trees did not survive? Uh, the trees survived. Oh, that, wow. Yeah, because everyone could see the trees. And, uh. and what used to be basically effectively an open hill, then they built the city around it, and the trees got hidden. No, so. I'm saying during the fire. Yeah, the, the trees survived. That's, so are they still there? Oh, uh, not now. Because they're in the middle of the block. They're in the middle of the block, Okay. Yeah. Kind of like these little islands we have on our grid yeah. system. We yeah. have these sort of like green, green oases. Um, and every sort of square block, at least on the no emission burnal La Langua side. Um, anyway, so I thought that was kind of cool. That is cool. And then figuring out who, who, who he was and what he did. He was actually a sailor. Not, they called him Jack the Soldier. And he was actually a sailor, which must have pissed him off. And then he probably just kind of gave up because, like, I'm not going to be able to convince anyone that I'm a sailor. You know, you were just, you were sort of not, I don't want to say complaining because you were very jovial about it, but you were sort of remarking on the weirdness of getting paid for, for writing things. Uh-huh. And I would like to just put out there that I think people could would probably pay you a considerable amount of money for like a complete historical workup of like their house or their lot, things like this. Have uh, you ever have you ever thought about that? I think a little bit. I'm kind of historical portraiture. Yeah, kind of, yeah. Like a, a patron patronized um, that. Or I was actually talking with um, Brad Thompson, better known as um, as a Pass Mapper, um, and we were actually thinking about um, like some hit, some restaurants have completely bullshit histories. Yeah, I like blackmailing them and say, "Hey, if you don't give us money, here's the here's the real history." Well, of your the, place. the sort of historical shakedown is exactly. a little a more kind of sinister kind of historical, version of historical historical highwaymen. But I think that don't you think people would love to have that sort of when you walk to their house, they could have some photos of what you looked like and some Possibly. old newspapers. Possibly, if anyone's out there listening, we I mean, would just how much uh, you pay for that? I'll take ten percent. Okay, five percent, ten. And the middle uh, man here and uh i'm just throwing it out there as yeah a oh philly business. designs back in there you say philadelphians invaded sf but they burned us up because the rolled dough food was so much better <laughs> also he just read that tweet off his watch oh yes i'm a man of the future so um let's see oh and uh, this day in 1850 um if you um if you have any mail that you uh need to send to the united states um, the post office closed at 12 o'clock, so you missed your, your deadline. Yeah, you're just you're two hours and 164 yeah. years. So I don't know if you're going to have to wait till this day next week in 1850 or this day tomorrow in 1850. I'm not quite sure on that. I haven't gotten that uh, that far ahead. So, um, yeah, but basically, strongly like take a look. It's uh, cdnc.edu. 
ucr.edu. Just search for CDNC, California Digital Newspaper. It'll pop up. And it's pretty remarkable tax-funded uh, resource that is full of many awesome, many awesome things. Um, I do need to look up uh, Jack London's dad in there and see what I can find. That's right. To wait, if we can narrow down which of the Jack, which of the John Londons on there, and then how the hell twenty seventh and twenty eighth intersected with Presida in Alabama, which I have a theory that they just basically. I think they just kind of since no one outside of Bernal knew that area, um, but they did on the number of streets. They just used it as a point of reference, um, kind of like almost like latitude. That makes sense. Yeah, you know, it's like oh yeah, we're basically. Because 26 was the last one, and then you have... You so if have, you could imagine where it was, roughly. kind of yeah. gives you a coordinate system. So that's my theory, because I have no better other I have no other better explanation. I like that theory. And I've been sitting here with, like, you know, map experts. We're all at a loss, because it's referred to very often, like, off, like v- frequently. But then the addresses are just like, okay, you know, is the map wrong? Am I making stuff up? I just, it's a distinct possibility of all these things. Um, oh, and good news. Yeah, the Pacific News is coming back, and we talked about that. So that's really all that's interesting happening. No good court things. Uh, we talked about the um, uh, the French uh, sea captains that uh, shot at each other. Um, one was stealing the crew crew members from the other guy's ship, and he got shot, and they took him into court. He said he was stealing. He was causing people to mutiny or not mutiny, to defect, and they said, you were entitled to shoot him in the back as he rode away in his boat with your crew members. So the good old days, the good old days when you could say, hey, you know, he was stealing my guys. I don't know what happened to that ship. I did find out the other sea captain uh, sailed around uh, California for another 10 years. And I think he then died in Hawaii. So I know it's amazing. All these stories. Got to figure these things out. Um, Any other historical revelations that you've come across? Uh, Not necessarily CDNC. No, I mean that's sort of your. I I like reading your discoveries. <laughs> you know, I've done some of that myself, but it's. Uh, I don't. I I wish that I had the time to go to go deep the way you do. Yes. Oh, Philly Design is giving us some. Uh, uh, now you know why his radio show sounds the way they do. Each new word is a surprise. <laughs> I just made a new version of Stromboli. That's all that it was. You're getting. Uh, I was, you're getting you know, heckled. I think. I think oh, yes, it happens every time. I think I was actually confusing. Uh, Stromboli and Zamboni. Oh, that could be a new delivery mechanism. If they had flyers, I guess so in the winter months in some places, <laughs> some places it you, would be great. Yes, exactly. A Zamboni drone, like oh, that would be good. Yeah. Or why stu- are, why aren't Zambonis remotely operated at this point? You know, they're really good. It's it's a good question. You know, you think they should be because I've seen actually some very uh, horrific. Um, Zambonian. Yeah. Well, um, we're going to get attacked now by the Zamboni drivers union, union for trying to crush <laughs> jobs. Oh, here they come in their sirens right now. That's right. <laughs> oh. Okay, that was right in front. I, uh, I hope we're not losing another dollar store here in the mission. Oh, it's horrendous. Yeah, really. But hey, more condos, you know. Okay, that's quite a lot of sirens here. Another one. Two alarm. I wonder if it's my office across the street. Oh, no. Yep. Live in the mission. BFF.FM in the heart of... Heart of... Did you know in the 1906, uh, there's almost a big fire? Um, the mission almost burned down? Yes, I did know that. Yeah, there's, they put it out, and then they just couldn't keep up with the fires. But they did put that... I think it's 22nd and... I'm making this up. 22nd and... Uh, 
a dry goods store, 21st and Mission, well, 20, and 22nd we, Valencia. I think we have the Daily Alta to thank for 50 years of getting on the fire department's case. That's true. Finally and getting in there and keeping most of the city from burning down. That's right. So, um, and then they, all those lessons they learned, and then they had to build yet another, you know, the high pressure water system and stuff like that. Um, oh, somebody's calling me during the show. Oh, a friend who does not know. Okay, there we go. Um, yes, many other historical uh, historical oddities. So uh, what do you have? Uh, oh, two things I want to talk about. So one, uh, Larry Ellison. Oh, boy. S- sailing his, his, his uh, high-tech boat to his high-tech island. So he bought he bought yeah well Hawaiian that was the story island. that I had, I had in Sunday's Times Magazine was about uh, was about the island of Lanai in Hawaii that Larry Ellison has bought ninety seven percent of what's the three what's the three percent that's left it's like a park uh, it's a, a lot park. of uh, state owned roads a state owned beach mm-hmm. and individual houses scattered around the oh wow scattered around the island um, so uh, you know I don't think we can possibly just to, suffice to say when you hear that someone bought a Hawaiian island, you imagine it's a sort of private getaway pleasure dome. Right. But in fact, it's actually a functioning community of about 3,200 people that now have to figure out how to get along under the new regime ownership. Um, so I so, so he just went through and like just bought all of the property? Well, it was, this is what the revelation for me was, is that I hadn't realized when I saw these headlines about him buying the island in 2012, it had actually already been one giant holding. Oh. Uh, but his sort of management style of it is... Was it like a pineapple-related thing? It like was Dole? exactly... Okay. It goes back to James Drummond Dole. Got it. And actually further than that, I, oh, wow. I explained sort of the history okay. even going back further. Um, but uh, but yeah, but, but Larry Ellison has a completely kind of new vision for the island. So that even though it was always private property, the fact that it's private property now is so much more apparent, and it's being managed it's private in different or, ways. Private it's private, private or, yes. Um, <laughs> so it was a big adventure. It was a very hard story to do because no one really wanted to talk to me. Well, I remember you talking to me about like, oh, just so that's probably six months ago about that video you were trying to track down. Oh that person. yes, yeah. yes. I had to find there was some videos from his marketing people that had been online and then were taken down. And I had not saved them in any way, and so I was trying to be able to quote from them. In the end, it sort of ended up being a small part of the story, but right, um, it was it was, more it was a good way to spend a day obsessing about something and feeling looking, regret. Looking, looking looking through the dark web of the internet. Exactly. You had, I, yeah, I'd, I'd reached out to Brito Justice for some help, seeing if there's any way to secret technology way that I wasn't nothing cached that and, I could find. And you sadly. were in some kind of like Bolivian chat room or something. I don't even know what <laughs> you had sent me back. But. Yeah, no, I was just looking like it's like this dark, dark uh, internet hole of, of uh, archives and caching and you're like okay I can't read anything here. I felt like I was a grandfather talking to my grandson <laughs> uh, some new way to look at the internet we'll get you on never, the technology ramp here. it was like you were you just exist on a completely different internet no 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 I just know where to look I, I don't know anything I just I can follow digital breadcrumbs that's, that's uh, historic or, or current that's right um Cool. So any other, uh, I know you probably don't like talking too much about things that are coming up, but any interesting things that uh, you're working on? That... I, I can't really talk about yeah, it, actually, yeah. in this case. But they're interesting. So far, they're interesting. Interesting. Yeah. And it, um, well, I'm curious, like, so in terms of you doing research and like, and then getting to the point of making a proposal to editors that you work with, I mean, how much work do you do beforehand before you actually get to the point of saying, hey, this is something I think we can run with? I usually do a lot of work. And uh, uh, recently, there's been a couple instances where I haven't done a lot of work. It's kind of bit me in the butt uh-huh. afterwards, because sometimes it's just a matter of knowing what's available and who's going to talk to you and not like this Hawaii thing. If I had known that the company that runs Ellison's Island wasn't going to participate in the story, I might not have done Ellison's Island. Is that what they're calling it? Now? Uh, no, that's just what I like. But uh, 
but uh, you know, not that the story shouldn't be done, but like just from a practical point of view, it's like you have to be able to, you know, you do stuff in a reasonable. There's obstacles time. that you either do or don't want to overcome in certain right. situations. Um, and if you care very passionately about it, you might be more motivated to do it. And I was pretty motivated to do this story, but um, I think I would have thought twice about it at least if I'd known that they were going to just freeze me out. Right. Right. Uh, any follow up on the reception to it? Have you like seen like uh, I have heard from. Problems a with lot Oracle of people, databases you're yeah, working no, with? Yeah, no, I don't know. <laughs> um, well, you know, he stepped down as a CEO, right, as we were going Shocking. to press that day. Well, do you think that was um, a way to distract? Or- <laughs> uh, no, but I had a friend <laughs> joke that we had gotten him fired, which I thought was hilarious. Um, but, uh, but no, I've heard from a bunch of people on Lanai that liked the story, that felt like it was accurate, which makes me feel you know reassured that I, I kind of got on, it. on the point. I got it right. Um, and I did hear, unfortunately, I heard from a woman on Monday that who was in the piece, who was very critical oh, no. of Ellison, that she had been called in for a meeting with the company. Oh, geez. And I haven't heard from her since. I'm eager to know kind of what went on, but I'm a little afraid to get back in touch. Yeah. Um, but because she leases a gift shop from them. And oh, man. She was a little, but I, I honestly don't think there's any kind of retribution. It's not like there's some kind of sinister force. I think they some were probably cabal, just kind of cabal, doing. Yeah. And I give them credit. They just kind of want to reach out to people who don't think they're doing that great of a job. Right. I think that's a great thing. So I kind of told myself that's what it was, but she was a little concerned. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, John, thank you for coming on. This has been awesome. Thank you. It went by f- rapidly. That's, thank you. Thank, yeah. Thanks for the burrito. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you for uh, accepting my burrito tribute when I should have gotten you tacos. <laughs> no. So that misstep on my part. Burrito for everyone. <laughs> um, cool. So do you have a song to uh, play us out on? Yeah, let's play. Um, we're going to play a, a Ray Charles song. Ray Charles. That is one of my favorite songs Which ever. Which song? Which it's song? called That Lucky Old Song. Awesome. And it's a song I've uh, sang to both my daughters when they were babies to yep. sing them to sleep and a song that I remember being on top of a mesa in New Mexico once when I was like a teenager and listening to this song just like one of those moments when everything felt really alive yep. and wonderful. Yep. Awesome. Um, so right. even though it's about hard times, here's a, it's, a, it's a beautiful song. Okay, here we go. Up in the morning out on the job I work like the devil for my pay I know that a lucky old son has nothing to do to rule around Heaven all day. I fuss with my woman and I toil with my kids. I sweat till I'm wrinkled and gray. I know that lucky old son. Has nothing to do but roll around heaven all day. Dear Lord above, don't you see I'm pining? I got tears all in my eyes. 